you do say, Lord, no turning back. Thank you that you went before us with your cross and uh, that you have wonderful, wonderful things ahead of us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and take uh, the word of God and make it known to us. Enlighten us with Jesus. And empower us to love one another and uh, equip us to love a lost world to Christ. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, CFCF. Good to see you this morning. It's wonderful to be here. And uh, it's, as I said last week, it is good to be home. Welcome home for any of you who uh, feel you need a home. We, we hope that we would find ourselves to be that for you. Fathers, if you'd like to get some seconds... Mike Aguilar had asked for eight donuts for each of his children. You could get, get it if you want. But uh, if you are a father and would like some seconds, if you're a prospective father uh, that is uh, married, then go ahead and go back and get your uh, get your donut there and enjoy it. Once again, happy Father's Day to all of you. You men are stellar, and uh, I'm honored to walk with you. We're actually at the beginning of a new series today. I'm not going to be speaking specifically on fathers, but we're at the beginning of a new series. And the name of the series is called Parables of Jesus. And uh, we, um, we're going to actually begin looking at specific parables next week. But uh, today, I'm going to answer a question for you, or hopefully we're going to have a question answered for us. And the question is, why parables? Why don't you say that real quickly? Why parables? Well, that's a good question. We'll answer that today. Why didn't Jesus uh, speak to people clearly <laughs> who were around him? Why didn't he say what he meant uh, very, so they could understand? Wasn't he gathering people together? Wasn't he gaining a following? Why did he speak in parables? Why did he seem to make what he said uh, hard to understand? Uh, I think that's a very good question. Um, and... Uh, so today we want to uh, look at that. And what if I told you, though, that the answer to this question is the difference in your life of whether you will understand what God wants to tell you or whether you miss out on the secret of God's heart. That answer to why Jesus spoke parables has to do with you really understanding the secrets of God's heart. So, well, <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, casual observers Versus devoted followers. The same Jesus who told these parables had crowds pressing in on him all the time. Uh, he had all kinds of crowds. Pressing in is one of the words used in Scripture. And there were so many around him that at one time he fed 5,000. That's counting the men. I'm sorry, ladies. That's the way they did it back then. The women count in my book and in God's book and the children. So it meant it was many more than 5,000. That Jesus fed. That's quite a few people uh, around him. And another time, he fed 4,000. Uh, as he spoke to his disciples, he said, You feed them. And God miraculously provided through the breaking of the bread and the fish. And, um, and so Jesus was pressed by the crowds. People were all around him all the time. Many times he had to seek out the lonely place. Uh, there were so many around him. Uh, he was pursued by many for healing. He was pursued by many for deliverance. Many people wanted to know uh, or see Jesus. 
Um, and even as he walked into the city of Jerusalem, to, um, in, in Matthew chapter 21, it says the whole city was stirred. Can you stir out there in your seat for me? I don't know what that looks like, but they were stirred. The whole city, crowds around Jesus. People, there you go. Right there. Stirred by Jesus. The interesting thing, though, is by the end of Jesus' life, there were only 120 followers in the upper room. There were only 120 men and women gathered together, seeking for the greater measure of the Holy Spirit. You see, and uh, there were so many casual observers of Jesus. They were interested in Jesus. Piqued their interest. But so few devoted followers in Jesus' life and in his ministry. Crowds do not devoted followers make. Our goal should not be just to have more crowds. Our desire is to have devoted followers of Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples here. Is that okay? Okay with an example today or two? Uh, devoted followers versus capital reserves. Let me take the area of health and fitness. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about it. Most of us, uh, have you ever walked into a fitness club and, uh, you, you know, there's three ways and there's the, uh, uh, the machines that aren't three ways, whatever those things are called. I'm giving myself away, <laughs> but I'm not an expert in this. You walk in the area of health and fitness, you walk in, you're like, Ugh. you know. I mean, you can kind of act like you know what you're doing, bar or whatever, but a lot of the stuff, we walk in, we don't know what we're doing. Let me find a treadmill, do a couple sit-ups, hope nobody knows I don't know how to use this machine I'm using right here. Anybody done that one? Yes, you have. I've seen you. You've seen me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it can really be overwhelming. But why is there a lack of understanding for many, if not most of us, in this area? Because we're casual observers. We just kind of walk along. We go in. We think about it, you know. The, uh, uh, the uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not very... Um, devoted to what we're doing. But, uh, you know, what if I told you there are a few people in our congregation who understand health and fitness? James Frazier, Nick Asserley, Jenna McGowan, Andy Archer. If you ask these people about health and fitness, they're going to tell you, you know, you got to cut that out of your diet right there. You know, that a six pack does not pay. You know what I'm saying? I forgot to look it up the other day. Uh, there was a health and fitness guy. I was like, Oh, well, forget it. No, but they know how to diet, exercise, all these things, how the equipment's used, right? Why? Because they devoted themselves. They're all fitness instructors. They're, they're strength and training conditioners, all different. I know they're doing different things right now, but those four names that I mentioned have given themselves to understanding that area. While the rest of us were sitting around, you know, on the couch, they were learning health and fitness. So therefore, those devoted followers understand the area of health and fitness. Hallelujah. Get us going on it, Jenna. Maybe, you know, a few uh, jumping jacks before we start my sermon next time. <laughs> how about another area? We can take many areas. How about stocks, bonds, financial planning, right? Uh, a lot of us don't know very much about it. Uh, anybody ever watched CNBC? My father watches that when I come home. It's just continual loop, you know. And the Dow's going up, and the Dow's going down, and the NASDAQ's going up, and the NASDAQ's going down. They have this thing called earnings reports, and then, you know, you go on from there. 
Well, for most of us, we really don't understand. Buy low, sell high. It's about what I know. If I could know how to do that, I'd be honest. But we don't really understand that area because we have not devoted ourselves to understanding how markets and and uh, even all of these new instruments, or whatever you call it, of uh, finances, that how they operate. But uh, if I were to introduce you to my friend, Michael Landers, who goes to our sister church, The River, uh, he could explain very clearly to you how stocks, bonds, mutual uh, funds, which I understand haven't been doing too well lately, and other things operate. And uh, the point there is... Um, that he devoted himself. He took school, fine. He devoted himself to study and to become an expert in that area. And, um, you know, he understands it, again, because he wasn't a casual observer. He sought out knowledge in that area. Think about it in your own life, uh, how you have sought area, uh, sought out knowledge in certain areas. How about my own life? I think it's really funny, sometimes people comment on my ability to speak languages. <laughs> and sometimes my ability to speak languages is, I speak more than you do, <laughs> uh, but you don't realize um, that I might not speak it as well as you think. But I do speak uh, a few languages at different degrees. English, pretty good, huh? A little bit of a Texas accent, but other than that, doing pretty well. Well, anyway, I'm going to talk about the area of Russia. Uh, you know, I, I just want to say, I don't think I have a particular huge ability in languages. I have a love for people. I want to be able to communicate with them. <laughs> and uh, that kind of drives me uh, a little bit. And so, um, when I was in Russia in the early 1990s, how old were you then? Think about that. In the early 1990s to mid-1990s, I was in Russia, and I... I, uh, we were planting churches, praise God, some churches that are now 20 years old, that are still planting churches. Awesome. So wonderful to be a part of it. But when we first got there, we had a, a week or two weeks of Russian training, which was about two hours a day, and then we were left to ourselves. <laughs> if anybody knows anything about Russian, two hours a day for two weeks, meh, it's not good. It doesn't work. It's just not worth it. It, it's not worth much. And the thing is, um, I actually um, uh, had to approach Russian in a different way. What I did was I got myself a notebook, maybe, maybe like this, maybe a little smaller. But I got a notebook, and I became a devoted follower, an intent observer of Russian. Everywhere I went, they would say something. Now, Russian's not easy. Like the word for talk, come on, now. That's not fair. That's not easy. But anyway, so what I would do, I'd just write down, okay, I think that's the word I heard. And I began to cipher because I didn't have anyone to teach me. And I would go to my friends later and I'd say, is this the word that I heard in that conversation? They spoke English uh, when I started, <laughs> my Russian friends. And they say, no, it's this one. And then they explain to me, this is the word, this is how it looks. This is before I learned how to write, so really. They said, this is how it works. This is how it's conjugated. Don't worry about it if you don't understand that. They explained everything to me. I kept going over it again and again. I spoke to every living being, you know, or, or, you know, or potato, kartoshka, you know. Uh, I'd say kartoshka to the bus driver, to the, you know, I'd get kartoshka in a sentence, or I would get anything. But I would talk and devoted myself to learning the Russian language. It wasn't easy. 
And I'm not that great, but I learned. And, uh, you know, Russian, as I said, is not an easy language. Cyrillic, uh, not so easy. Not, not terribly hard, but why don't we get into the fact of pronunciation, right? They've got pronunciation, weird pronunciations on things. They think ours are weird, so that's right. And then, uh, then the grammar is a complete nightmare. I love you, Russia and Russians, but your grammar is nightmarish. Uh, the point I'm trying to say here is this. I wasn't content with Russian just being a jarbled mess to me. I love those people. I want to be able to counsel in Russian. I want to be able to teach and preach in Russian. I want to be able to understand them. And because of that, I gave myself and devoted myself to following. No English speaker, apart from a miracle, which I've heard of these, no English speaker learns the Russian language by being a casual observer. No. You don't learn it that way. You devote yourself to understanding it. You push other things out of the way and you say, I've got to understand this language. And when you get beaten down by it, you get back up again and then you ask. And so, um, uh, about ten years ago, I was able to preach my first sermon in Russian. It wasn't great, but I did it. It was because I devoted myself to the Russian language. Let's look right now at what the scripture has to say in this particular area of casual observer versus devoted. If you'll open your script, uh, open your Bible, or you can look on your Bible app with me, to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. We've looked at uh, Jesus' life and how he had so many and it narrowed down to so few by the end. We've looked at different ones that, that are uh, that are experts, that have devoted themselves. I've given you an example of my own life. Let's look at the Bible, see what it has to say actually about this. Matthew 13, 10. Well, I want to give you a little bit about the occasion of this writing. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, is sitting by the lake, Lake Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is sitting there with a crowd around him. Jesus tells the first of eight parables about the gospel of the kingdom. In Matthew 13, he tells eight parables. Boom, 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 boom. And, uh, and his disciples have come up to him afterwards. He's spoken a parable, the parable about the seed and the sower, to his disciples. And then his disciples come up to him and they ask the question. Let's read right now in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. This... Um, uh, let me see here. Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him, Jesus, and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Do you remember our first question today? Why do you speak to the people in parables? Again, the disciples were asking the same, Jesus, don't you want to be known? Aren't you a leader? Aren't you coming as the, as the Savior of Israel? You're too confusing. <laughs> you're difficult to understand. And, and you're going to get more followers. More people to come around you and understand you if you tell them straight out. You know, Jesus, we know how you should do it. <laughs> Have you ever said that in following Jesus in your life? Jesus, I know how you should lead me. However, he alone knows what's best. They didn't understand why his teaching was veiled and why he didn't say what he meant. Alright. Let's look now at verse 11 and follow through to 17 to see Jesus' answer to this question. 
And I think, again, it's pertinent for your life, it's so important for your life to understand whether you will miss out on the very best that God has for you or whether you will understand the secrets of His heart and the secrets of His kingdom. It says here, He, Jesus, replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Here is Jesus' answer to the disciples and to us today for why he told parables in a nutshell. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven were meant for devoted followers, not just for casual observers. Jesus told parables specifically to divide out the devoted follower of his from the casual one. The one who walked by and said, hmm, interesting. Jesus is kind of interesting. Just keep on walking. The one who said, this one has the words of life. Who would approach Jesus later. Who would cry out to him as the blind man. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. Who would, who would come to him with all their heart and say, Jesus, I didn't understand what you were saying, but I have to have you. I have to understand you. Jesus put these parables out. To say, are you casual about the things of God? Or are you devoted? Are you going to be the devoted follower of me? You see, because no one ever changed the world by being a casual observer of Jesus. I want to make another note here. Well, as Jesus is speaking, he explains it doesn't sound very nice. He says, whoever has is going to get more. And whoever doesn't have, what they have is taken away from them. Doesn't always, that doesn't really sound very nice. Jesus is making clear that those who gain spiritual understanding, those who gain it and have it, the devoted followers, will continue to increase in spiritual understanding. Those who won't be put off by uh, not understanding something, but will press into God and say, I have to have it. But the casual observers will continue to grow spiritually dull and, and not interpret things right. Why do we have false doctrines out there at different times? <laughs> and a lot of times, because a casual observer looked at the scripture and got something out of it that didn't really mean. Someone that might have been looking at the scripture for a different reason than Jesus is all that I have to have. Not looking for financial gain, not looking for, for personal benefit per se, but looking Jesus. Uh, I want to make one other note about this passage. Uh, in Jesus' answer. Jesus, the passage that Jesus refers to in the Old Testament in his answer is Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, let's uh, look at that again. He says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, and then the, is fulfilled the prophet, prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. You, for these people's hearts have become calloused, 
and they have closed their, they hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I will heal them. If they turn. Jesus, referring to this passage, and this passage in Isaiah 6, Jesus is saying, those who really see him, and those who really hear him, turn. What is turn? That's a common word in the Bible, or a big word called repentance. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your selfishness. Turn to God with all of your heart and all of your soul. He's saying, if you've really seen me, and you've really heard me, and you've really understood me, then your life will be different. Your life will carry the aroma of me, Jesus. You see, turn. It's interesting. Repentance, as we said, is turning away from sin and selfishness and to God or righteousness. The issue, so we're talking about, it's not really whether we like Jesus. Hey, I like Jesus. You know, Jesus is kind of popular in some circles. He's hated in others. But Jesus didn't come to be popular. He came to be Lord. The popular would be taken care of. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He's Lord. But he didn't come initially to be popular. He came to the devoted followers. To have them come after him. But it said here, um, he, um, uh, he, the question is, not whether we're interested, but is he the Lord of our lives? And is he the Lord of our actions? This lordship issue separates casual observers from devoted followers. The parables separated casual observers from devoted followers. And I want to say, you know, that the invitation is here for all of us today. Whoever chooses to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, he says, I will not turn you away. There's no one that came for more of Jesus that was put off uh, eventually. That was not put off. What I mean by that is this. Some people came to him and kind of seemed to put him off. Then they came again. It's like the Samaritan woman who wanted a healing for a God. And she said, Jesus, I need it. He said, well, I have to come from the Samaritan judge. She's like, no, I have to have it. He's like, well, it's not right to talk to throw uh, the bread to the dog. She said, no, I've got to have it. He said, okay, sure. You see, it might appear at times that he's holding you off, but what he's doing is drawing you in. He's drawing you into him. And so, Jesus' invitation is available to all of us. I want to ask this question today. What would it look like if every one of us in this room chose not to depend on somebody else's relationship with God, but chose to be a devoted follower of Jesus, who wouldn't be put off by Jesus, even if we don't understand something, who would come to Him again and again and say, Jesus, I've got to know You. I've got to understand You. What if we quit expecting to be spoon-fed in our relationship with God and have someone else find the secrets of the Bible out? Hey, I'm here to help. <laughs> I'm searching the secrets of the kingdom out for you, and I want to give them to you. And they're free. Whatever God gives. But the point is that you're not waiting for somebody else to answer those secrets of the heart of God. You yourself. What if every one of us went to God like that? How would it affect our city? If we at CFCF were a group of devoted followers who knew the secrets of God's heart and went around our city with love and, and of God and, and compassion for people because we know our God, we know the secrets of the kingdom, we're not waiting for somebody else saying, as the Israelites did to Moses, you hear God for us and come back and tell us. No, saying, 
uh, as it says in Jeremiah 31, 34, there is coming a day when they all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest. And one will not teach his brother, nor say, know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. He's saying, I will have a group of devoted followers. A group of devoted followers who aren't just distant from God, but every one of them is face to face with me, Jesus. Jeff's not closer to Jesus. Um, the staff's not closer to Jesus. We're all close to Jesus by the shed blood of His on the cross. Praise His holy name. God is calling a group of people to be devoted followers. I would say that that would be earth You see, I'm not really concerned about the size of our church. That will take care of itself. I have great vision for our church. I think it's going to grow. I really do. But I have concern for the size of our hearts for Jesus. Because if our hearts are sized right for Jesus, the world will, will eventually be shaken. Here's my challenge for the believer today. I want to challenge us. I'm not here as I come to this kind of challenge. I'm not seeking to add to those of you who were last week. You're like, oh no, now you know Jeff challenges last week to get time with Jesus every day, the rest of June to set a path. Yes, I'm not seeking to add anything to that. I'm just giving direction to that time that you're already having with Jesus. What if uh, I want to just challenge each one of you? You, if you look in your bulletin, someone got a bulletin out there. You have the sermon syllabus for the rest of the summer. You have the scriptures for each one of the sermons that I'm going to give. You have a Bible or a Bible app. And if you don't, we can take care of that. Glad to do it. But I want to challenge you that as you spend time with Jesus daily, I want you to take a portion of that time with Jesus in the week leading up to my next sermon and study that parable. Ask Jesus what he means by it. Fight with it. Don't open your concordance first, the, the explanation. Fight with God in, in a loving way. <laughs> you know, as uh, uh, Jacob wrestled with God for more of him. Uh, wrestle with God through those things, those questions that don't make sense. Come with your own questions. Come with your own observations. Come on a sunny morning and let's continue to grow as a group of devoted followers. If each one of us came prepared with our own insights, questions, and understandings, man, God is going to do some amazing things. And He's going to bring us continually further into our destiny with Him. CF, CF as a part of the overall body of Christ in Boston, has a destiny. And our destiny will be reached by each one of us being a devoted follower of Jesus. Not leaning on group faith or group love, although we have group love. But if we have Jesus... In our hearts, as a devoted follower, the group love will increase. If we're not leaning on somebody else, you see God for it. Then we all seek together as devoted followers, not casual observers. But I want to speak one last thing to the unbeliever in this room. It is my hope, it is my desire, it is my yearning that we would have people that don't know Jesus come here on Sunday morning. I love that. I want it. I just want you to kind of know him. <laughs> but I want to hear if you don't understand him or know him. And I want you to know that I welcome seekers, those who want to know who God is and don't have all the answers. I want to challenge you this. What about Jesus coming to earth do you not understand? What about this, this Jesus that we've been speaking about today? 
Will you do whatever it takes uh, to come to know who he is? Ask the questions that you need to ask. What if you would do this as well? And I'm joining. I'm asking you to join in with us today. Would you be willing to take the next few weeks and study these parables along with us? Read them. Ask questions. Would you be willing to um, ask questions until you find the answers? Ask them of God, but ask them of those around you. If you have a friend that you come here with, if you just happen here off the street, or if you don't know, I'll be your friend or whoever else. And I'll talk to you. We'll, we'll chat about it. And uh, would you be willing to start and continue a dialogue with a friend or someone in this room who's going to help you through these questions of coming to know who Jesus is? So I want to ask, ask and answer that question one last time today. Why parables? I want to ask you. You can think about it. Why did Jesus tell parables instead of being clear? Because he wanted to separate devoted followers from the mere casual observers. My challenge to us today on that is it has everything to do with our lives, that we change a casual observing attitude from that attitude into a Jesus I'm seeking with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not, not you as just a happy builder that's going to solve all my problems, but you as the Lord of my life. And He's going to meet with us. And He's going to change us. You are a group of devoted followers. I just want to stir us on more and more for the sake of God's name and the sake of His purposes. Let's see. I just want to ask the band to come forward. I want to, um, yeah, I want you to take a moment while we're worshiping. Just let's give our hearts to Jesus, committing to be. Those followers get it's not casual groups. I want you to, to take out of your bulletin. You know, choose to, to get the scriptures up on the wall somewhere Today let's just let's meet with God, ask him. Just uh, let's just open our eyes to him and worship him. And uh, I just want to ask some of our prayer team to come forward. If you need something in prayer, a physical ailment in your body, you believe that Jesus heals. If you need uh, uh, for someone to pray over you and give you a word of encouragement, for someone to pray for a family crisis, a financial crisis, we're here for you. Let's worship God with all of our hearts. And then at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to be sending another team out like we did last week uh, to go to the nations to, to call forth the devoted followers of Jesus.